Okay, so let's pray for Pete as he comes to share with us. Father God, we are grateful for people who can prepare your word and bring it to us. We pray for Pete that you would bless him now as he tries to do that and as we try to listen to him. Lord, we pray you would open our hearts and his heart as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That might help. Is that okay? Great. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for all that's been brought this morning. It's great. And the scripture that's been on my mind, kind of in, in my way, fits in rather aptly. And it's, the text is from uh, 2 Peter, chapter 3. It's the last verse, actually the last two verses of 2 Peter, chapter 3. Uh, Matt's doing some slides. So the first slide, please. It's this. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. This verse, or the, 2 Peter, has been on my mind for, oh, I don't know, weeks now, a month or so. And I, I love the writings of Peter. Uh, and I think they're particularly relevant for today. I think they're very prophetic, actually, for where we are now. Uh, particularly at the start of a new year. So I'm going to look at this uh, book of 2 Peter uh, and answer four questions. So next slide. What was the context of Peter, writing 2 Peter? Uh, what does it mean to grow in grace? And what does it mean to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ? And what can we take from the final statement, all glory to him, both now and forever. The context. Next slide. I love Peter's writing. Um, I think I partly love it because I remember Peter when I read it. He was a fisherman. He ran a decent business. He was a natural leader. He could be hot-headed. He was the, well, let's get on with it type. Not, it seems, particularly bookish, but, like others, he was utterly transformed by meeting Jesus Christ. Eugene Peterson says he had all the makings of a bully. <laughs> but under God's hand, he became a shepherd, a very, very different characteristic. A shepherd of God's people. Jesus called him to be, do you remember? Feed my sheep. And this letter, these two letters, are deeply caring, really thoughtful, very practical, and absolutely passionate. <laughs> Peter never lost his passion, but it was redirected and re-energized. And he wrote these letters to um, converts to Christianity who weren't primarily Jews, they were from outside the Jewish community. And because their lives had changed so much in meeting Christ, they were uh, slandered by their previous friends. You can read about that in chapter 4 of the first letter. In addition, hostility and suspicion was mounting against all Christians from all directions. Nero was the emperor who turned wildly against Christians not long after these letters were written. And during that time, Peter himself was martyred 
So it's fair to say these were not easy times. And Peter could see that the flock, Jesus' followers, needed real encouragement. Now I've got some homework for you. It's simple. You can listen to what I'm going to say and you may disregard it. That's fine. My encouragement to you is get out the letters of Peter and read them. Read to Peter. Why did he write it? What were the circumstances? What was he trying to say? What was his passion about? What is the application for me in 2021? So now I'm going to read 1 Peter, uh, sorry, 2 Peter, chapter 1, till verse 13, and then the last two verses of the letter. And I'm reading from the NLT, and it'll come up on the slide. So listen. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our God and Saviour. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, he has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us, to himself by means of his marvellous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you're really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, as you've been taught. And it's only right I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. And at the end of the letter, he says, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now 
and forever. Amen. Wonderful words. Next slide. I asked Chris to read to Peter and tell me what she thought. What struck her? And she said, there's a lot of remember and don't forget. And in the context of warnings to those he was writing to. In tough times, we can forget. (laughs) Forget what God says, forget what he's like, forget what he's done for us, and forget what he expects us to do. It's not a long letter. And the translators have put it into three chapters, very convenient. Chapter one is encouragement to remember what Jesus has done for us and put it into practice. Chapter two is all about warnings of false teaching, the source of it, how it's so opposite to the encouragement in chapter one and the nature of truth that Jesus is. We don't often talk about warnings. Warnings are so important. And Peter was a good shepherd. Um, You may have read some of Philip Keller. He's a shepherd and author. And I remember one of the stories he told is when he he had flocks of sheep on the hills. And uh, there were one or two sheep that had a habit of breaking through the barriers and trying to get round the fences to what they thought was better grass on the other side. And they consistently did this. Not only endangering themselves, but actually the whole flock, because sheep follow each other. And in the end, he had no choice, with grief of heart, but slaughter those sheep, because they were leading astray. That's the context of chapter 2 of 2 Peter. Understand it in that light. (laughs) It's not like fierce, it's compassion for the flock of which we are. We must not lose our secure footing, as Peter says, as sheep. And chapter 3 is about Jesus returning again, suddenly, making everything new, the hope we have for the future, something to look forward to, he says. So, Next slide. What does it mean to grow in grace? Peter says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. But those who fail to develop are short-sighted and blind. We must grow. If you take anything out of what I'm saying this morning, it's this. God wants us to grow. And we can do that now, today, this year. If we plant a tree, we expect it to grow. Nature tells us that things grow. And if it doesn't, we get rid of it. So how much more our Creator who made us in his likeness, wants us to grow, to take on his characteristics, to become more and more fruitful in his image. If we don't, Peter says, 
we've become blind. We've lost sight of what it's all about. <laughs> we've lost perspective. We lose our footing and fall, he says. Now, my son is an artist, and uh, actually, this was one of the things I put, I think it's during Advent, it's on the internet. Um, because he tells me the best time to plant trees is in December to March. Now, when he told me that, I thought, well, no, surely it's best to do it in the spring when the earth's great and, and all this, and it's coming into leaf. And No, 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 because in December to March, all the energy of the tree, which is a living organism, is wanting to strengthen the roots and search out new nutrients, new ground, new life, so that when the spring and summer comes, it can support the tree and enable it to be leafy and fruitful. And I believe that's what these days are. They're hard days, but they're days when our roots should be growing, even if you can't see much on the surface. There's an African proverb, apparently, which says, smooth seas don't make skillful sailors. It's kind of saying the same thing, isn't it? So Peter sandwiches his letter with grace. May God give you more and more grace in the first chapter. And then at the end, you must grow in the grace of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So what's grace? We use the term a lot. In Greek, it's charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. There's the old acronym, Christ's riches, sorry, God's riches at Christ's expense. But the word is also translated favor in scripture. So when the angel appeared to Mary and said, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. The word is grace. You have found grace with God. It's undeserved, unmerited favor. We're saved, yes, by grace, by God's favor to us. But it's also favor and grace that empowers us to live. Paul writes, and God's able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And he said to Paul, my grace is made perfect in weakness, my favor. And to the struggling Timothy, he wrote, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Okay, 30 seconds to think on your own. Can you think of people in Scripture who seemed, who thought themselves inadequate and yet who knew God's favor? See if you can list some in your own mind. People who thought they just didn't have it, but God's favor was on them. Here's a few, and you can look them up and see what they said about themselves. Job, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, David, Isaiah, Mary, Centurion, who brought the sick servant, 
Paul, Peter. Oh, I thought they were all rather clever and famous. Actually, they were very small in their own eyes and thought they were inadequate. So how about you and me? <laughs> but they knew God's grace and favour. So let's remember, I want us to remember, 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 don't forget, God's grace and favour is abundant and generous and powerful for you and me. Let's believe it. Let's put it into practice. Let's trust it. Let's be fruitful in the coming year. Next slide. What does it mean to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, then? Paul's great aim, as you know, was that he considered everything loss because there's a surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. And he says later on in Philippians, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know Christ. Do you? God has given us everything we need to live a godly life, Peter says. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself. Chris and I often reflect on what are the most important things in life, and we always come to the same conclusion, relationships. <laughs> it's not the stuff, is it? It's not the job. It's not the income. It's not the house. It's relationships. First with God and with each other. And I so remember, it was over five years ago when I felt so prompted, I must go and spend time with my dad. He was in Newbury. So many times I jumped on my little 250cc motorbike and belted up to Newbury and just spent time with him. We did jigsaws. We sat quietly, we listened to music, we did a bit of crosswords. He used to be really good at crosswords, but he was still better than me even then. And he was 95. <laughs> um, we had cups of tea, we had a meal, he wasn't able to go for walks. We spent time together. We had wonderful conversations, some profound, some ordinary. I always remember once he said to me, after I'd just given him a cup of tea, he said, it's so nice for someone to make me a cup of tea and actually have a cup of tea together in my house. It meant the world to him. I'm so glad I have that time with him. So glad. They've left huge memories for me of thankfulness and gratefulness, of his grace and favour, actually. <laughs> Is God any different? He's your father. If you've been born of God, he is your father. Do you think he wants to spend time with you? Do you think he'd love you to sit in his presence and let you know what he's thinking? Have you got time for him? I thought I ought to give some ideas as to what we can do to help us get to know God. 
but I couldn't. I want to ask you to find out what that is. <laughs> For you. He's your father. Go and ask him. Some of it's obvious, but ask him. <laughs> and if you don't know, ask him. Seek and you'll find. And then listen. And then do what he says. That's life, isn't it? In all its fullness. Next slide. Finally, in that last verse of 2 Peter, what can we take from the statement, all glory to him, both now and forever? When we read chapter 1, I stopped at a certain point. I want to read on to what Peter says. And he's, um, I'm reading this from the message version, and I thoroughly recommend that when you get into 2 Peter, read it in different versions. It's so helpful. So helpful. Because then you can reflect on what's it really saying. <laughs> so this is the message version, Peter talking. We weren't, you know just wishing on a star when we laid the facts out before you regarding the powerful return of our master, Jesus Christ. We were there for the preview. We saw it with our own eyes. Jesus, resplendent with light from God the Father, as the voice of the majestic glory spoke, this is my son, marked by my love, focus of all my delight, we were there on the holy mountain with him. We heard the voice out of heaven with our very own ears. We couldn't be more sure of what we saw and heard. God's glory, God's voice. The prophetic word was confirmed to us. You'll do well to keep focusing on it. It's the one light you have in a dark time as you wait for daybreak and the rising of the morning star in your hearts. Hallelujah. All the glory goes to him. I've been asking a crass question recently of myself. What's there not to like about Jesus in the way we portray him? <laughs> Yet in chapter 2, Peter gives very strong warnings to us. The essence of the teaching that was going on that was leading people astray, that so angered Peter is that they just appeal to my natural instincts, myself, and don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Master. Toza says this, <clears throat> Sin has many manifestations, but its essence is one. A moral being created to worship before the throne of God sits on the throne of his own selfhood and from that elevated position declares, I am. That is sin in its concentrated essence. Yet because it's natural, it appears to be good. If I'm to worship God and be fruitful, I must lay myself down. That's a blessed release. <laughs> it will also offend. 
So Peter, throughout this letter, uses the full title, Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. God's wonderful kingdom isn't actually about me or you. But God and the wonder of what he can do through the people he created and loves and calls into relationship with him. Ordinary folk like you and me who don't feel we have the ability to do it. That's grace. And why? Because he loves us and he wants to. It's a beautiful, holy kingdom. It'll bring pleasure to him and we can share in that. That's astonishing. He is and will always be Lord and King of this kingdom. So this final chapter of Peter's letter talks about him coming as judge to put things right. God's judgment, unlike mine, very often is not vindictive, never. It's love and grief in action. Don't forget, Peter says, he is coming. In keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, the eternal perspective. I wonder if in these days God is trying to wean us away from our materialistic and selfish worldview and remind us again of the vast, eternal dimensions by growing in grace and our knowledge of him as he really is. What a privilege. I was very struck during Advent, one of the things that struck me over the whole of Advent was when the angels appeared to the shepherds. <laughs> it says there were hosts of them, tens of thousands of angels, which were there all the time, but the shepherd had never seen them. <laughs> They're there all the time. There's things we do not see or perceive with our eyes. We have such a limited, small view of what's really going on. You can't see the radio waves, but they're there. <laughs> the television waves, the x-rays. What about the spiritual dimension of God? It's there. So, to summarize, I think we're called to mature, to grow and be fruitful. And it's possible. Indeed, God has given us all that we need to do that. And I think Eileen's prayer summed it up really well and what the girls did. We'll trust him. We'll turn to him when it gets tough, when we can't see. We can be embraced by him. We can ask his forgiveness. But let's keep moving and be fruitful. I came across this song by Keith and Christine Getty. And I'm going to read the words just as I finish. Do you remember hearing his name, answering something inside you? Do you remember lifting your eyes and finding he'd always been by you? Have you forgotten finding a love big enough to carry you? 
Have you forgotten him, lighting the fire of the first love that captured you? Do you remember ribbons of light streaming through your skies of darkness? Do you remember your softening heart moved by his deep, deep print of kindness? Do you remember harmony fill the dreams and desires you'd been given? Do you remember everything new, hearing the words, you're forgiven? Remember what God is like. And how great is his grace for you. And how much we can grow in that grace. That favour of God on your life and mine. And we do that by getting to know him. Make every effort, Peter says. Lay yourself down in true worship. And you'll never fall away, but receive a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom. Amen. God is good. God is good. There was one other thing that came to me as I was preparing, only just this morning. There may be, well, in fact, I'm sure, I'm sure there are people who are listening who have stopped just stopped, can't cope, don't believe God loves them. It's probably only a very simple thing that you need to do that will unlock your life again. Listen to what he says to you and do it. If you don't, then that's difficult. But choose to do the crazy thing that he is asking you to do. Will you do that? Will you do that?